month of May uh, and June, we're looking at the book of Psalms. And every year, we like to take uh, some time and, and go back into the Old Testament, um, the New Testament, uh, the Gospels, and the letters of uh, the Apostles, our Scripture, as is the Old Testament Scripture, God-breathed for us uh, and helpful for us uh, to know what God wants uh, from us and how life is to be lived. Um, you know, it's important to kind of know, kind of as a, a little bit of an overview, how, how to take the Psalms. What do you do with this this book? And uh, maybe the best way I, I can explain it to some of uh, for you, you'll connect with this, is the Psalms is kind of like if you picked up a hymnal. Now, we don't have hymnals, but some of you come from a tradition that had a hymnal. You went to church, and there was a Bible oftentimes, and there was another book with Psalms and readings and, and other uh, things. And that, that this is kind of like the, the hymnal of ancient Israel. It was the way that they, they praised God. And in fact, they didn't really have it in, uh, in a paperback version in their pews. They carried it in their hearts. And so even as they went into Jerusalem, there's a whole set of psalms that are psalms of ascent that as they went to Jerusalem, they would sing these. And as the crowd gathered and more and more people came on the road, the, the, the psalms and the, the volume would get louder and louder. And, and uh, it was really a, a time of celebration. It's also important to know that the psalms are written really uh, from a directional point of view, from, from earth to heaven. Okay, they're, they're the cries of the heart of those who put them together, who, who are worshiping and are, and are singing. Um, they're different than maybe revelation in, in a way that is from heaven to earth. Um, God speaking, this is the good news. This is something hidden that you didn't know before. It is people's response to what they know about God going to heaven. So if you think about it, and we had a, a person a couple years ago come in and talk about, you know, there's God, God gives to us, and then we respond back. This is the responding back, is what you find in the book of Psalms. Um, some unique features of the book of Psalms is this, is it's poetry. And when you read it, you need to read it as poetry. And not just as you would a letter that someone wrote you. And so it has a different style. It often repeats in the second line um, what is said in the first line, but in a little different way. Uh, in a way that, that helps uh, sometimes to bring out uh, the meaning a little bit fuller. Uh, it's not scientific language, okay? Uh, it's really important that as you read it, you don't say, oh, well, look, you know, it talks about this, the sun coming up, and therefore, you know, obviously it's, it's all wrong. It's, not try it's talking about from viewing the world and viewing, experiencing God, it's talking from that perspective as opposed to from a scientific expect, uh, way. It's also very emotional. Um, and you read it, sometimes it's, it's, it'll shock you how emotional, the, how emotional the complaint is, how surprisingly unchristian the prayer is. You know, I'm glad we never ever would have an unchristian prayer. Uh, oh, maybe we, maybe we would. But, but it's very honest. And it's also, sometimes there's herperboles. It's You speak about things a little bit more intensely than they really are. Because it's from earth, from the human heart, from the human reality to heaven that we're speaking in the book of Psalms. Um, you know, one of, an example for this is, is maybe you have a song. I have a few songs from growing up uh, when I used to listen to music a lot. That if I hear those songs, you know, I remember at that time, those songs just connected to my life. 
And, it, you know, it may have been the song about the guy who lost his car and lost his wife and lost his, you know, uh, you know his fields and lost his kids, and, you know. And, you, you know, that's country, called country music, I guess, in the States. That's the only thing. It's always those things. And, if you know, if you're in a down point in your life, you kind of go, I, I, I know that feeling. Now, that doesn't mean you lost your car or your truck, obviously. You lost your fields, you lost your wife. But you know that, that, that song connects to your feelings in such a way that when you sing it, your feelings actually come out because it reflects you. And that's what the Psalms are designed to do, is to reflect us and reflect our feelings and emotions as people so that it helps us to get out oftentimes what we find difficult to say and to share. You know, the harder it is for you to connect with your emotions, you know, if you're like me, you have to make an appointment with them to find out what you actually are feeling, the more important the Psalms are as a way to bring out, what do I actually feel? What do I actually think? What's actually going on in my heart and my soul? There's a lot of different styles. Uh, today we'll look at a wisdom psalm. There are psalms of praise, which you might figure that that's what they all are, but they're not. There are also psalms of complaint. In other words, we'll talk in a few weeks. You want to learn how to complain well? There's some psalms for you, okay? Um, and you think, some of you think, I'm a really good complainer. You can be better, okay? Um, and you can be better in a way that frees your soul and not just destroys your soul and other people, but that frees you while you complain about things that are worthy of being complained about. There are psalms of salvation history. In other words, recounting how God has rescued His people throughout history, and then the reality of that psalm is at some point you're supposed to put yourself in that history too, that God has rescued me as well. You know? It's not just history in the past, but it's the history in the past coming in the present. We look forward to the future of what God will do to rescue. That's very helpful sometimes, because sometimes we feel like, God, where are you? And until we look back, we realize, no, God, he's been there. And other people have asked the question, where are you? Or how long, oh, Lord, until you set things right? There's psalms of trust. Maybe you're in a situation right now where there are really hard things happening in your life, and you, you need help trusting God. There are psalms in there that you can read and meditate on that will help you to learn how to take your trust deeper with God. And psalms of thanksgiving. So psalms are a pathway for us to help us to experience God and to live life well when they're used correctly and when they're used in a way that's helpful. A couple of things I want to give you some cautions about about the psalms as we as we do it and as if you read it and as the ladies um, do, uh, do some of these for Bible studies. They're kind of like historical writings. Um, some of the like First Kings and um, uh, Samuel and some of those historical writings. Uh, sometimes things happen in the world and people do things that God doesn't say are okay, but they're historical. This is the way it happened. And uh, it doesn't mean that God says he approved of it happening that way, that that was what he wanted. But there's freedom in this world. And, and sometimes in the same way, some of the things that are said from humans to God aren't always very pure and clean. So, you know, don't go blaming God for the brokenness of humanity, even as we worship. See it as a reflection of also your brokenness, that oftentimes you don't know how to praise or complain the way that, in a way that's helpful. The Psalms are inspired writings, but sometimes the attitude, you know, um, isn't one that we would look at and say, that's godly. That's what it should be. But it is their reflection, their attitude. Also be careful not to take the Psalms or some of the things said in the Psalms as ironclad promises for us, especially when you're dealing with a, a psalm like, um, like the one we're going to do today. 
uh, which is a wisdom psalm, and we'll explain a little bit uh, of why. But in a, in a wisdom psalm, you know, the idea is this, is God is the designer and the creator of all things. And there's a way and a pathway to live. There's an there's a invisible way to live life. You don't know it, but if you keep in touch with God, He will show you how to live life and how to make decisions well. And so, and it's it kind of this, is all, all things being equal, if you do A in situation Y, you'll get Z. But as we know, all things aren't always equal. It doesn't always work out that way. So Proverbs are not trying to be ironclad promises for us, you know, or some of the Psalms that are wisdom Psalms. Um, so my suggestion is avoid the disappointment in, in this sense of taking a wisdom Psalm and trying to make it an ironclad promise from God. Um, the Psalms are also, uh, I'd like the Bible as a whole, are God's way um, to adjust our hearts to Him. <laughs> Don't go to the Psalms and say, okay, now I can figure out the way God works and I can get God to, to bless my plan and to do things the way I want to do. Not that we would ever do that or anything, but, uh, but it doesn't work that way. God gives us the Psalms as a, and the rest of the Scripture as a way to adjust our hearts to the way He works so that we might enjoy the life that He has for us. Okay, Psalm 1. Some important features to know about this psalm is, is uh, it probably was put here by the editor to be an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. Um, the idea in, uh, in this collection of hymns and things like this is, is you'll discover how to approach God. Uh, you'll, you'll learn how to follow. And that's why this psalm is very important to, to read and to have in mind as you go. It's basically saying, do you want happiness? Of course you do. Everyone does. There is a path towards that. And this book, these psalms, the variety in here will help you to have that kind of life. A life of blessing. A life of joy. This is what the psalms are about. And the second thing I mentioned a little bit before is that it's a wisdom psalm, this one specifically. It's explaining how things are designed to be. And so that we can live according to that design. It, it is similar to Proverbs or Job or Ecclesiastes in that way. Again, there's a divine creator who has made a divine pattern that is hidden from our eyes. But if we follow him, he will teach us and give us wisdom to be able to navigate the challenges of this life. Um, I don't know if, if you know the... Uh, I think it's Tim Keller that gives the uh, uh, definition of wisdom, which I think is a really good one. Is, is wisdom... Um, is what you need in the 90% of the time when the rules of life don't apply. You know, 90% of the time, isn't it true that it's, it's not a right or a wrong? It's not clear. There's no scripture verse that you can point to and say, should I marry this person? Should I go out to this place tonight? Should I um, buy this car? There is no right or wrong. 90% of the time, what you need is wisdom. What is the best path? Which way will lead to life and which way will lead to more problems? And, um, and basically, wisdom is how to live life well. And wisdom is what we get from God. So this psalm is a psalm telling us, how do you gain wisdom? How can you discover what the patterns of life are, which are invisible, but how can you discover them in such a way that you can actually experience life well and live life according to the wisdom that God has? The, uh, the first part of the psalm starts out, and the first word uh, starts out, um, I think, is what I would call the universal carrot, and I don't know if that makes sense, so I'll explain it. In English, there's a carrot and stick. 
you know, maybe that's because of mules and animals. You put a carrot out and it encourages the animal to move forward, or you have a stick. You can hit the animal. Those are the two options in life. Maybe in your culture it's potatoes and vodka. I don't know, you know. Um, or, you know, uh, I, you know, whatever it is. There, but the idea is there's a carrot and there's a stick. And this is kind of the universal carrot is this, is blessedness, happiness, joy. Everyone that you will meet on the face of this earth wants that. You want it. I want it. We long for it. We work for it. Sometimes we'll make a thousand different sacrifices in an attempt to get happiness and joy, blessedness. In our culture, there are certain rules by which you discover what that is. Maybe part of those rules are you work really hard. You save a lot. You give and generously. But it's, you know what, you, you seek to achieve. But you know what happens, and we see this all around, and we see it in our own lives, is oftentimes we've, we've learned all the cultural rules. We've worked really hard. But somehow that happiness, that joy, that blessedness is elusive. We don't have it. And sometimes we can get really angry. You know, I've done it. I've done it all the right way. And where is it? I deserve it. And we can get depressed and discouraged. You know, I think Luxembourg is actually a great example of this. You know, if you look around uh, at a place where people should be happy from a cultural standpoint, you're it. You're in. You're in it. Um, you know, we, we make good to great money for the most part. You know, we make enough to live, and then most people make more than that. Um, we have security. Uh, we're safe. You know, we don't have any wars here. We don't have uh, a lot of the worries like tainted food or tainted air or other things. You know, we have good food, good wine. You know, uh, we, we've got a lot of different things. We have beauty all around us. It doesn't take a more than a five or ten minute walk someplace to find beauty, especially this time of year. In Luxembourg, you would think of all places, what a happy crew we would be. But we're not. I don't know if this is true, but someone had told me um, that there's a you know, significant percentage of people um, that that are on antidepressants, and, and I'm not in a negative way about that. I think there are different times because of chemical reasons or life situations that that's really important and helpful. But what it says is this is. We're not finding that happiness, that joy that we long for. We're missing it. Why? We're doing all the right things. We're in the right place. Why are we depressed? Why are we discouraged? Why are we hopeless? We seem to have kind of ticked all the boxes of what it means in our mind culturally to be happy, and yet we're not. Happiness is not something that is given to us by God, according to Psalm 1. It's not something you can get by checking all the cultural boxes and making sure that, that you're respected and that you have the finances and that you're generous, etc., etc., etc. But Psalm 1 says that happiness is a direct result of our actions. But not just the cultural actions, the appropriate cultural actions, but the actions of living a life of wisdom. Knowing when the rules don't apply which direction to go, to buy, to sell, to give, to keep, to love, to withhold love. That's wisdom. And Psalm 2 tells us that oftentimes what happens to us in life is we're on the wrong path. 
or we're with the wrong people or we're pursuing the wrong things in life. Psalm 2 has this idea of, of two paths, and, and it's not as easy to read in this version, but, uh, but in some of the other versions it talks about you know, the, the path of the wicked. And, and wisdom literature often has this idea of two paths, a path away from God and a path toward God. What did Jesus say? He used this whole concept. There is a, path, a broad path that leads to destruction. There's a narrow path that leads to eternal life. He's using wisdom literature to help connect people to God. Two paths, one that leads to life, one that leads to death. One that is lived by righteousness, one that is lived by evil. And happiness and joy is not a, re- a reward, Psalm 1 tells us, but as a result of walking on the right path. It's not God saying, good job, here you go. But it's actually, the idea in the Old Testament is if you walk along the right path, as you navigate life well with wisdom, joy will be, and, and blessedness will come to you. It's a result of your being on the right path. And so if, you're, if there's no joy or if there's seemingly often, there's not happiness in your life. Not that life is always happy, but if it seems like it's hardly ever there, you know what? You're probably not on the path of wisdom, is what Psalm 1 says. We have to figure out that hidden path. We have to learn to discover to live by God's design. You know, we don't get happiness by pursuing the wrong way or the wrong means of getting something or by going in the wrong direction is what it says. You're on the wrong path. There's a different path, a better path. The second thing that that we get wrong oftentimes is we, the importance of knowing who to avoid, who not to hang around with. Um, Verse uh, 1 gives us a short list, but we could go on and explain it. It says, um, you know, the wicked. The wicked are the ones in this passage that give give advice. Um, they give their plans. They give their perspectives. And, and it says if you're someone who sits around with people who do not listen to God and don't follow God, and if you're trying to get from them the wisdom of how to live life, ask them, how do, what should I do? What should I not do? You're going to get bad advice. And that advice is going to lead you to walk on a bad path, and the end of that bad path is, is bad things. So you know what? Although you have to live around those people, don't go, for them, go, go to them for advice. Because they won't lead you to the right place. It talks about then sinners. And sinners are those who rebel against God, who pursue life without God. And it basically says, you know, you don't want to spend time with people who, you know, and let them be the ones that influence you who uh, don't believe that God exists. It's a bit of a challenge. I mean, in this world, most people, that the psalmist is right, most people believe in God. You know, it's not exactly the same as it out there. (laughs) Many people don't. It's harder. And it doesn't mean that you don't shouldn't be around people that don't believe in God. I don't, I don't think that's right. But you have to be aware that oftentimes they can influence you in a way that puts you on a path that's not helpful. And then it talks about mockers, those who make fun of the truth. And the idea of, of this is that these people mock others that are following the way of God and saying, oh, how silly, you know, why, why sacrifice that? And, and why, why live for the future when you can live for now? You know, oh, that, that Christian is just a crutch. They just mock. And they mock. And the reason that they're so dangerous is because they're very, very far away from repentance and turning back to God. And so the more you spend time with them, the more you will tend to be pulled into their path. The point is this, is what you think, who you belong to, and the activities you engage in shape you. 
and what you think and who you belong to and the activities you engage to has a lot to do with who you hang around with. Parents know this, by the way. You know, uh, what's the biggest concern that you have as a parent? You know, or maybe your parents had for you. I'm not sure that person's a good friend. You know, I'd, I'd be careful with them. You know, have have you know have lunch with them, but you know don't hang around with them. Why? Because we know inherently as parents that if our kids are around people that you know don't do things well, that naturally they're going to get influenced. I'm glad it's only for our kids. It doesn't work for adults, huh? Isn't that nice? It does work for us too, doesn't it? But we pretend it doesn't. We pretend we can get away with it. We're because we're so wise. We would never let you know that happened to us. So it's, it's a real challenge to, to realize that um, how do I interact with people that don't believe in God and, and don't think this is true and, and enjoy who they are without allowing their perspective, which is moving on a different path away from God, change my perspective, which is I want to be on a path of wisdom that leads to God. That's what the psalmist is telling us. Be careful who you spend time with, who you hang out with, who you let influence you. You want joy in your life? It's important that you need to know what to avoid. But the psalmist says that's only part of the picture. It's not just what you avoid, it's what you do. It's what you engage in that is as important as what you avoid. And it says it's happy and joyful as the person who pursues. And this is kind of the idea of a, I don't know if you've heard this before, a present continuous. In other words, you keep doing it over and over again. It's not like a one-time action, you know. Um, it's something that you do again and again and again. It says, blessed is the person you know, who delights in the law of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that phrase for me is kind of like, how do you delight in a law? <laughs> You know, do I go around and say, oh, the 432 or whatever, you know, laws of God are wonderful, you know? I don't think anybody necessarily delights in a law. And this passage is saying more than that. It's saying this, the law of the Lord is this, is the instruction that God gives to humankind as a guide for their life. The law of the Lord is the instruction that God gives people like you and me about how to live life well. How to live life in such a way that we get to that point of blessedness and joy and happiness because we are following on the right path. It's not just do and don'ts, but it's stories about real people whose lives God teaches them and instructs them through wisdom and that they they do that. And that's what the Bible is full of. I don't know if you've read this book very much, but most of this book is just stories. And you can go, gee, it's kind of a boring story. And God says, you know, you're missing the point. In these stories, you can find the path to life because people make mistakes. You can learn from their mistakes. It's a lot cheaper, by the way, to learn from other people's mistakes than yours. You know, I've discovered that. I still like to make my own, it seems. But it's a lot cheaper and a lot less painful. And so you can learn from their mistakes, but you can also learn from from the way people did things right and say, I'm going to pursue that too. You know, it's, it's, that's why God gave us the stories. So that we can discover and live life in a wise way. Psalm 1 and wisdom literature t- tells us that happiness and joy is found by being teachable and by pursuing God. Pursuing to know God, to delight in Him, and letting Him teach us and wanting to learn from Him. Being hungry to learn. And being willing to do what you learn from God even when it's inconvenient. To embrace that truth that you would prefer 
to do something different. The person who finds happiness delights in the discovery and the accumulation of God's instruction concerning how to live, what is valuable, and in what context a really good thing can lead towards really bad things. Because life is very complicated. But God says when you have wisdom, you'll know the right way to go. And when you follow that path, when you have the wisdom and you live that way, then ultimately happiness and joy, blessedness will be your companion. You'll discover it. It'll be there. And you can rest in it. You know, this explains why so few of us, and I put myself in that us category, don't find happiness and joy. Because we don't pursue it. It's, it's, It's sadly simple, isn't it? We pursue lots of different things. We are very driven in many, many different directions. And, and many of us um, are really good at what we pursue. But pursuing God's instruction, pursuing that with a delight, with this is, this is my favorite thing that I want to do is learn from God, discover who He is, learn how to live life so that I can have a, a good life. We don't delight in that. And the psalmist would say to us, well, when you walk in a certain direction, you can't be surprised if you end up in the direction you're walking. The psalmist says, if you're a person that delights in this, is one of the things that will happen as the outcome of that delight is that you'll meditate on it. He talks about day and night. But what that means is as we learn about what God has taught us about the universe, about us, about the way to live life, we'll want to think about it. It doesn't mean that we think about it at work all the time. We do our work, but when we have our moments of break, you know, our our, uh, mental breaks, we can still be at our desk or wherever, we think about it. We we meditate. We wonder about it. We question it. We discover. You know, I don't know about you, but I know there's some different points in my life where I've been thinking about some different things with God. Maybe it's the problem of evil. Uh, Maybe it's what happens to those who haven't heard about the gospel. All those things. And, And at some moment, as I've been thinking about this, an answer that's somewhat satisfying to me comes. And that may not be satisfying to you. I, I get that. But to me it comes. And you know what? I go, wow, that's great. There's a delight. There's a joy that comes from meditating and, and, and figuring out how to use God's truth so I can live it in life. And what Psalm 1 is trying to say to us is this. As you read this beautiful book of Psalms, that's what God wants you to do to delight in it, to meditate on it, to focus on it, and in this book to find the path of wisdom and to find the path that leads to blessedness, happiness, and joyfulness. If you delight and meditate and pursue uh, that thing, you will find it. Wisdom and the joy that comes from wisdom. But there are two paths. One is the path of those who by their pursuits and actions ignore God and therefore forfeit wisdom. And those who delight in God's instructions, who think about uh, them and who live them. And God says, those are the people that will have joy. There also is a destiny of two paths. I don't know about if you if you walk in Luxembourg or bike, or obviously many of us drive. But you know what? Uh, if I drive uh, towards uh, Echternach, I can't be surprised that I didn't get the Mets, right? <laughs> 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't drive to Ectonoc, and 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 when I get there, I say, I can't believe, you know, the people who made these roads. You know, I want to go to Mets. You know, that, that's insanity. If I drive that way, I'm going to end up there, and that's what the psalmist is saying. See, you know, the way life is designed, you walk on that path, you get to that destination, and you can't blame someone else for where you got, because you walked, drove, bicycled on that path. And it says there's two destinations, and the one destination is, is described as a tree, by a constant stream. This is these are the righteous, and that may be an image that doesn't really connect to us because we're not taking care of trees and stuff like that. But the image has the idea of this: is the person who is looking for God, the person who pursues God and pursues His wisdom, you know, is on the right path. And God says, you know, uh, in your season you'll grow. In the right season, when it's time, you'll produce the, the appropriate fruit in life that benefits you and other people. And that your life will have the positive outcome that God desires for it to have. Not always what you want, but it will have what God wants. Because that's what happens. Because there's a constant source of nourishment in that stream that takes care of us and provides for us. You know, I think of the example of Abraham. I think God said to Abraham, leave your country, leave your, your parents and go to a land that I'll show you and I will, make, I will bless you. You know, and I will make you a blessing to the nations. And he said, I will make a name for you, Abraham. And God did just that. Abraham obeyed. And God kept his promise. Now, I have to tell you, read the book. Um, Abraham made a lot of mistakes along the way. And this is so encouraging to me. He made a lot of mistakes on the long way. But he always wanted to delight and do what God wants when he knew what that was. And when he realized it was the wrong way, he always turned back and said, God, I, I, missed, I misunderstood. And you know what God did? He blessed Abraham. And he made his life a blessing to many, many nations. The other example is the people who walk on the wrong path with what's called here the wicked. It's called they're like chaff in the wind. And again, for us, we don't do this, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's almost like taking a, a tray of, of wheat or grain that's been dried over time and you throw it up in the air in the wind. And the wind would catch the chaff and it would send it away. And the grain would come back down because that's the valuable part. And God's basically saying those who, who walk in their own wisdom, those who don't learn from God and from what He's teaching, what He gives to all, who ask and who seek and who delight in Him, are like those chaff. Life goes up, they're blown away. It's basically saying they're lightweights on an internal perspective from God. They, they don't have substance in the way that the righteous do because of God. The destination of that path is destruction because it moves away from God. And I hear that destruction has nothing to do with an eternal state. You know, uh, we can decide that, discuss that at another time, but destruction here is not about eternal state. It's just this, if you move in that way, your life will be destroyed. And there are a lot of people around, and you can meet them wherever you go, who are very much alive but very much destroyed. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They're hopeless. They don't know how they got there, and they don't know how to get away. They're living in that destruction that Psalm 1 talks about. Psalm 1 lets us know that our destiny is a logical outcome of the path that we walk on. It's a logical outcome of what we delight in. 
and the decisions that we make and the actions that we live out. We may blame God, but we do so foolishly in a way because we get the outcome that we put in. This is the perspective of the Old Testament. There's other things you might be saying, well, Paul, there's some different things about the gospel. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about that. But this is still true. That the path we walk on, what we delight in, who we spend time with, makes a huge difference in what we ultimately have or don't have in life. In the New Testament, it becomes clear that Jesus is God's wisdom for us. It becomes clear that we are called to know Him and to follow Him and to delight in God's truth being revealed through who He is. And so He comes to us and He says to disciples, to others, and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm that right path. Come, follow me. And that call is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago when he said it. I'm the path, he says. You want wisdom? You want life? You want happiness? Ultimately, come to me. You want to know how to follow that right path? Follow me, and I will lead you there. You know, Psalm, uh, the Proverbs, uh, Psalms 1 doesn't, doesn't give us two or three paths. They're not like the path that leads to destruction and the path that kind of, well, so-so, and the path that leads to happiness. That would be nice, more convenient for the way we think. But whether we like it or not, it says there is this path and there is this path. And God's invitation, His plea, His desire, is that we would listen and follow the path. That, gives, that brings us life. That path is in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, this, this idea doesn't fit at all with the way we think often in our culture. And it is easy to reject and to sweep off and to say it's narrow. But we also know as we look around us, as we look into our own lives, that oftentimes we do not have the life that we hope for. And we see here that your word gives us truth to follow. That who we spend our time with, what we do with the people that influence us, and what we delight in and think about, will determine our extent of joy and happiness and our destiny. And not only that, Lord, but the truth is the destiny in many ways of our children and of their children. Help us to be humble and to come and to recognize that you don't tell us it's because you hate us or you want to hurt us, but because as a parent you love us deeply. And it causes you great pain to see us go in a way that leads to our hurt and the hurt of others. Thank you that Jesus came and made it possible for us to be with him on that path, to have a guide, to have our sins forgiven, and to have someone direct us on the path of life, to be that wisdom for us. Help us as we come to the table now to remember not only his sacrifice, but his call to follow him in this life. Help this meal be a time where we say, yes, I will follow.
Lord, give me the strength to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.